all of these pieces, like you don't have to discard it. You're not imperfect. You're not, you're, you're enough. You're still good. And there's ways that you can, to kind of build the pieces and put them back together in a way. And that beauty will come because of the work that you're doing to put the pieces back together. And when it's done, you'll look back and it's like, whoa, it was a beautiful struggle. I just love that terminology of just this beautiful struggle and beauty did come in the midst of, of this broken thing because the fracturing is not hidden, right? The rupture is not hidden at all. It's still there, um, but it's the whole together is just this really beautiful thing. Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the KonMari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified KonMari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. Our guest today is Lanicia Rouse Tinsley. She is an abstract expressionistic artist whose work includes photography, painting, teaching, writing, and speaking. She is the owner, creator of Law Art Studio and works out of Studio D at Hardy and Nance Street Studios in Houston, Texas. In addition to her work as an artist, Lanicia partners with Holy Family Houston, serving as their artist in residence as a spiritual director and consultant for the art the Arts for Project Curate. I discovered Lanicia when I was exploring the Japanese philosophy of wabi-sabi and the related art forms. Wabi-sabi is an ancient Japanese philosophy that honors the imperfect, the humble, and the handmade, the impermanent. It seeks to embrace the beauty found in the changing of seasons, things, nature, and our own lives. Lanicia has held workshops exploring the related art form of kintsuki and has written about that experience on her blog. We see many parallels between Kanmari and these ideas, and we are excited to learn more about her work and creativity. Welcome to Spark Joy. Welcome, Lanicia. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, Lanicia, like many of our guests here at Spark Joy, you are inspired by a variety of life experiences, and uh, that includes contemplative photography, painting, music, writing, theology, poetry, which is all like just so exciting, and <laughs> you know, we, we're we're really interested in how you are focusing your teaching and uh, working with others to explore creativity. And so we'd love to hear a little bit more about your journey and how you connect all of those different platforms, mediums, forms of study uh, together in your artistry and your instruction. Yes. So I came to art, um, journey-wise, I came to art in a very somewhat untraditional way. Uh, I did not study art in school. I was a sociology major and a theology major um, and was mm. in ministry for a number of years. But I was also the kid who was always curious about the arts. I loved singing and dancing. Um, did not think I had specific gifts for painting, uh, but I was always intrigued by those who did and loved painting and especially photography. And I think it was in 2010, um, I met a husband and wife, co-pastors here in Houston, who were starting an art project with men and women who were living on the streets. Oh. And I, yeah, and so 
It was a therapeutic, it is a therapeutic art and economic empowerment project for men and women living outdoors, and then also creating space for people who are really just concerned with the cause um, for empowering and helping people get off the street to come and also learn and create with the men and the women who were a part of the project. And so they needed someone to come. They had the idea, but they needed someone to come and give it flesh. And initially I was like, no way, I don't do art. <laughs> um, I'm a pastor. I was the kid who got a C, her first C in the seventh grade in art class. You don't want me. <laughs> uh, but they did and the timing was just right for a professional transition. And so I packed up my little car and I moved to Houston, Texas uh, with just the things that could fit into my car. And I really didn't know anybody besides the pastors here in town and embarked upon this journey that truly transformed um, my life. I, I started, yeah, I uh, started learning and painting with the men and women in the project. You know, I would shape these workshops with professional artists here in Houston. And sometimes I would sit at the back of the table and do the administrative work. And then every now and then I would set that aside and really sit and learn alongside of. And then there were also artists in the project who began to teach me some of their um, artistic uh, knowledge and skills. And so uh, some of the folks started teaching me how to paint. Um, as well. Mm. And it was in 2013, uh, after experiencing a tragedy that caused my life to pause. Uh, to, uh, life was going on for everyone else, but I had um, had my daughter prematurely, and she lived for two hours and 45 minutes mm. and died resting upon my chest. And there oh was this grief breaking, uh, if you will, that happened for me. And in that moment, I, I did pray a prayer of just, you know, if I'm going to make it through this and not only survive, but thrive, then I need love to, to be really clear and to show up for me in the midst of me going through my grief. Because I knew um, from my experiences with the art projects and other people who had experienced tragedy and trauma, that the only way is through it. You know, if you ignore it or avoid the pain and the brokenness, um, then you will never truly heal and to be able mm -hmm. to survive. And I want it to thrive, right? So mm -hmm. I said, love show up and love showed up in people, in my relationships, um, in my partnership with my husband, Cleve, who was journeying with me every step of the way. Um, Yet art, too, was an important part of that healing uh, for me. And so I would paint on my floor some nights. I couldn't sleep, and I would just bring out watercolors and start painting um, cards. I had a bunch of cards that I was just creating with um, positive, uplifting quotes. And uh, I started um, taking cups that I'd buy from the dollar store and drawing on them with Sharpies and creating these mugs. and. Art was just a way of, of me th therapeutically kind of dealing with the heaviness and the grief mm -hmm. that was in my heart. And um, art was big enough in some ways to hold my tears um, and then also to, to hold uh, my visions and hopes for um, what could be 
because I knew that I wanted to live a joyful life. I wanted to have joy in my life again. And uh, so art was just a part of that, of the things that I, uh, that were gifted to me, I guess, in ways to, to get through. And once I went through my sabbatical and started going back to work, uh, it was really hard for me in this new normal to do what I was doing mm -hmm. before the breaking. And, um, and I told my husband, you know, because during that grieving time, I made a dream list with him of things that would give me life. And one was getting a studio downtown mm -hmm. and becoming a professional artist and making art that I would offer the world, but also curating spaces for other people to create. And so after a while, and I realized, and after going back, that I, it was time. Um, I was no longer afraid of living my dream. Um, I was more afraid of not. And so I took that leap and began this journey here in Houston as a professional artist. And I got that studio downtown and started mm -hmm. making art and inviting other people in that space to experience the the joy, the life, the healing, um, the respite that I found in the art making process. So that's how I got to where I am today um, and around. Yeah. Wow, that is incredibly inspiring. And it sounds like art was a big support system for you and your, your community as well. Um, that connection mm -hmm. to uh, all those uh, the folks that you mentioned that helped you, you know, um, move past that trauma and find your joy and uh, wow. And, and you had uh, that dream list. So you also had a vision in mm -hmm. mind for where you wanted to go and people in your life to support that. So that's just amazing. And it sounds like you've, you've, uh, you've been traveling a lot, uh, but you settled in on Houston, but travel ultimately plays a pretty significant role in your work as well. So could you just share a little bit about that too? Yes, no, I love to travel. And it was, uh, I've, I guess in many ways, I feel like a nomad up until uh, I moved to Houston and got married. And I think marriage is part of what has kept me from bouncing to a new city in ways um, and planting some roots. But I, I do, I, I love to travel and to encounter um, life, uh, to encounter difference and beauty and to, to learn more about, um, I think travel allows us to see ourselves in a different light, expands our imagination um, of what is possible, um, to see things, uh, to find beauty in ways that we may not um, notice in our everyday grind at home and the things that are familiar. Um, and so travel has definitely shaped my curiosity, has shaped my appreciation um, for for the diversity that exists in our world. Um, and I try to work the stories of the places and encounters that I've had um, on my travels into my work in some way. And then my work practices also inspire me to, I always make dream lists every year of where do I wanna go next year? You know, where's the next mm. place I wanna go? And it's, it's been interesting to see how, and when you speak those things out into the universe, how opportunities come. Um, I'd been wanting for three years to go to Paris. Um, I'd lived in England before and had gone for a weekend and 
but I wanted to go as an artist because at that time I was in ministry and I, I knew that my my eyes were different in the way I see and you know and I spoke that out three years ago and then three years later an opportunity came um, for me to go with my husband and to encounter it through my artist's eyes. And so I'm just always just throwing out into the universe the dreams that I have and um, hopes. And travel is definitely one of the things that are constantly on my list <laughs> of places. Yeah. There's an aliveness, you know, that happens when we uh, get out of our everyday normal patterns. Um, and For sure. Yeah, you know, and I, I always feel like it just fuels me to come back and to love locally and love the people around me better. I, I feel like I'm a better hu human after I've spent some time away uh, in a different place, a different setting. Um, so, yeah. It's so interesting to hear you talk about how, you know, before you never even saw yourself as an artist and everything I hear you saying is, is like amazing to me that this was uncovered in you through not only people in your lives, but circumstances. Um, um, it's just amazing to me how um, many parallels I hear between your story and your, your way of looking at life and, and a lot of the concepts in KonMari. Um, and in KonMari, we talk a lot about this, the first steps about breaking apart uh, the existing arrangement of our clothing, for example, um, and then other items, you know, as we go through the different steps of, of uh, sorting and organizing in Kamai. And one of the ways that we do that is we pile up everything we own, everything that's in that particular category, and view them in a different way. And then we reorganize them in a way that brings us more joy and is a more useful way of, of, of maintaining those things. And to me, this seemed to be very similar to the art of Kintsugi, um, which is um, this idea of taking damaged pieces and making them more valuable and more beautiful and more interesting than the original um, through the art. Um, and I'm really interested in learning about what drew you to that particular work. Yes. So I was drawn to Kintsugi uh, during my grieving process actually after um, the loss of our daughter. I spent a lot of time on Pinterest <laughs> during mm -hmm. that time because uh, I think I was just seeking beauty too in ways and Pinterest has some beautiful things. Mm -hmm. And one of uh, an image that comes up often for those who like pottery and ceramics on Pinterest is the Kintsugi bowl. And I remember it popping up and reading the definition for it and thinking at that time it led to this really deep meditation thinking about my grief and my own journey through it um, and how not to and almost like this encouragement motto for me to continue to go and to believe that there's beauty and struggle um, that beauty can come and so uh, yeah that's when I it started to pique my curiosity and then through that discovered other th um, aspects of Japanese philosophy and aesthetics mm -hmm. that spoke to to my spirit in ways to my soul. Um, I, I find a lot of Japanese philosophy and aesthetic and art um, kind of it's like a heart song resonates mm -hmm. deeply and I'd embodied some of these practices in my work and in my life without having the language the vocabulary in ways and so um, when I encountered that image, I began to build a new vocabulary and a better understanding of myself and my particular way of seeing the world that um, at times felt very different than typical Western culture kind of 
seeing of beauty and um, what it means to to be whole I guess um, mm-hmm. and alive and so that's what that's what drew me to it um, and yeah and I guess and honestly even before that um, like I said it gave me the vocabulary but even in the work that I had been doing also in ministry it was all this very much of kind of like going into places that are fragmented and mm-hmm. and seeking um, to do work of like compassion and justice um, and the work of creativity to create a new thing, to re- recreate something that seemed to be, that was broken, um, mm-hmm. systems that are broken, lives that have, have fallen down and needing help to kind of p- be picked back up and encouraged and empowered. And so and healing all of those things were just a part of my natural my life already um but then kintsugi and you know the vocab just gave me vocabulary for it mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. definitely wow that's i just thought about um kintsugi and kanmari and how you're so right about how it gives you the vocabulary to mm-hmm. kind of actualize something that you know in your heart that you value but mm-hmm. um it lets you kind of put it put it into words that makes it uh, more tangible, I guess. Um, I I know when I was practicing Kanmari, I I stepped back from it a little bit. And I was thinking about what what is this fundamentally based on? What what is the foundation here? And I knew it was a Zen based principle. But um, I was like, what what does that truly mean to me? You know, and and how am I interpreting it? And Mm -hmm. in terms of Kanmari, I, I feel like it breaks down to just the principles of of gratitude, joy, appreciation, and honor and love, mm. um, and that's that's kind of led me towards creating a company called For the Love of Tidy because that's mm-hmm. what fundamentally Kanmari meant to me is just different ways of expressing love, and which is all those things: appreciation, gratitude, honor, all of those things. So um, it, this is just so interesting. I'm mm-hmm. now I'm seeing you know the connection of in uh, to how this is just creating a a space for us to kind of define uh, what we value as uh, human beings. And these are just tools that we can use to express that. Yes, definitely. Definitely. One of the things, one of the things I I just hear when, especially toward um, when you were speaking about um, looking at um, broken systems and broken people, so to speak, that how many similarities there are between our responses to not only broken items, but broken systems and broken, what we perceive to be a brokenness in, in humanity. And it seems like there's three different responses. There's, um, we either discard it, like, oh, it's broken, it's, it's no, no longer of any use, or we try to patch it up and cover it up as though it never happened, which is even in pottery, sometimes, you know, we try to glue things back together. So they, you know, we and make them look as good as new. Um, but then the third way is kind of what I think you're expressing in your art, which is embracing the fact that it's changed. And instead of trying to hide it or discard it, um, looking at, at how it's an even better thing, whether it's a person or an object or a system, um, because of what's happened to it. Which I think is exactly, it sounds as though this is kind of how you saw yourself through this whole process. Yeah, I mean, I think I, 
in some ways, I think for me, more so than thinking that, uh, yeah, I, I, yes, yes, and I think that I realized through my process and discovery of Kintsugi and the more that I began to, to practice it and make art with it, it's less of seeing, um, less of seeing like myself as like this broken thing that needs to be fixed or other people, um, but it frees me to not be afraid to live. And that realizing that in living, the, life is going to break our hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, in living, we're going to to do things that bring harm um, and maybe that fracture our relationships with people that we love um, or that we're called to love. Um, that in living, things happened, um, but we we can't be afraid to live because I think sometimes I was afraid to to live because mm-hmm. of the possibility of breaking. Um, but I realized that when I live through these things, like life, if I live life and they come, that I, I can make it through. It's not going to be the end of me, right? Because um, a lot of times we break a bowl. Um, I've done this plenty of times, and I throw it away, and it's discarded, um, and I don't use it anymore. But Kintsugi has taught me that all of these pieces, like you don't have to discard it. You're not imperfect. You're not. You're you're enough. You're still good. And there's ways that you can to kind of build pieces and put them back together in a way and that beauty will come because of the work that you're doing to put the pieces back together and when it's done you'll look back and it's like whoa it was a beautiful struggle i just love that terminology of just this beautiful struggle and beauty did come in the midst of of this broken thing because the fracturing is not hidden right the Mm -hmm. rupture is not hidden at all it's still there um but it's the whole together is just this really beautiful thing. And um, yeah, so the practice for me is this constantly invitation, a constant invitation to let go and to risk. And I use it on wabi-sabi and kintsugi kind of principles in my canvas work, as well as the work that I do and intentionally break on ceramics. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of mistakes and covering things up and adding and taking away um it's a freeing kind of principle for me and i value that freedom the lessons that it's taught me about letting go and and even thinking about other places in my life that need to be cracked open in many ways um so that beauty can come well this is reminding me of a a quote from one of my favorite poets uh, mark nepo Mm. And he, he he's also gone through some life changing uh, trauma in his life uh, and had a brain tumor at one point and, and uh, fully recovered from from that. Uh, but th- that experience, he mentioned how he 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 said he puts it in a way of hoping characterizing this properly. I think he says if you're either broken open or you willfully shed. Um, so yeah so it's so interesting how Mm -hmm. in the moment uh, it just seems like uh, we can't see past what's happening to us but ultimately uh, we can put the pieces back together and I'm just so inspired by uh, how making this connection now with Kintsuki and understanding Mm -hmm. a lot better um, in and its connection, of course, an extension with, with Wabi Sabi. And now you have found 
the expressing the joy by teaching others this process is really giving you a lot of joy. So uh, we would love to hear more about your workshops and, and how the participants, you know, break the pottery and put everything <laughs> back together. How does that whole <laughs> process work? <laughs> oh, wow. It's, it's fun because I uh, often, most of my workshops, I try not to, for the Kintsugi workshops, say the whole process. Um, I ask them to trust the process and that I would guide them and their creativity will bloom and they'll know what to do, but just to be present to each moment. And so um, a lot of the artists at the table or the participants who I see as artists, um, they, they don't know as they're creating on top of their ceramic piece that eventually they're going to break it. <laughs> and so that ah. moment when I invite them to break it, because it's always an invitation, right? Um, I don't force anyone to do it. And I tell them, if you don't break it though, I want you to spend some time reflecting and writing on why. Uh, but most of everyone, I've only done one workshop where there's one person who did not break it. And, mm. uh, uh, but most people do, and after they do, I guide them through the mending process and piece by piece. And through that, you, you know, like in trusting the process and paying attention to it, because my workshops are very process-oriented, um, little nuggets, these little wisdom nuggets just have come to surface and are spoken out loud more than any of the other kinds of workshops that I do. Uh, people, you know, just realize one lady asked me one time, like, how long do I have to hold this together with this gold adhesive? And I was like, mm -hmm. as long as it takes, <laughs> you know, but I wasn't thinking about the larger metaphor, but wow, isn't right. that true with our lives or then how like some people, I find the people who don't want to break it are the most resistant internally, uh, their pieces break in the most, I mean, they're peace breaks in the most pieces <laughs> and so yeah it's so funny how that happens um, each workshop it always it never fails and then to watch their neighbors who have already pieced their pieces back together then come and help them <sighs> with their pieces and then we sit and we look and you know I had participants like wow we need each other you know like we don't have to go through the things in life that break our hearts open or that break, you know, break our hearts. We don't have to go through that healing process alone, you know, and that it doesn't make us weak. Um, one participant wrote, it doesn't make me weak to ask for help. Um, it actually makes me strong and wise to be able to use the resources and the people around me, my community, uh, to help me um, get through um, to recreate something. And so, yeah, it's it's really beautiful. And then to some participants have found that uh, for them, it's this metaphor in their lives of like just thinking through like what other parts of my life need to be pulled apart, unraveled, cracked mm. open? Um, where do I need to pay more attention to like letting go and recreating um, something new and fresh? Um, yeah, and so for everybody, it's really different. Um, mm. But at the core, it's this, the same of being willing to, to be vulnerable um, and to trust that you are a lot stronger and braver and capable than you possibly believe. And I, I believe that about all 
humans that we are more extraordinary and wonderful and powerful than we believe. And, um, and I want to, yeah, so I encourage all of my participants to just trust their dopeness, trust uh, their gifts and to, to trust the process and to know that at the end, um, something beautiful will come and it does. It really does. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm curious that one participant who didn't break the pottery. <laughs> I, I, why do you think uh, they held back? I'm really. I'm, yeah, it was it yeah. was a young girl, oh, okay. a teenager, and um, she was afraid of being broken. Wow. Um, being in per- like feeling a lot of pressure um, upon herself to be perfect, um, to to hide the things that you know that. She just didn't want anybody else to know because of what, how it may be perceived or um, Mm -hmm. possibly even thinking that she couldn't bounce back from, yeah. And so she didn't even want to go through it. She liked her bowl the way that it was. Interesting. Yeah. And and then that too, for me, even her being able to write that and to share that, was a powerful thing, sure. right? Because I don't know if she's ever spoken the things that she wrote um, and shared with me to anyone else, you know? And so for being able to, that's just part of the journey and then seeing other people around her and she helped other people put their pieces mm-hmm. together, sure. um, <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, that, that was all. It's just that fear of the breaking. That is so real for many of us, right? Um, right. And a vulnerability and trying something new or taking something that's seemingly, you know, perfect in our minds and, and disrupting that. Um, yeah. So, but I have to know how actually do people break things? Do they drop them? Do they hit, do you have them hit, hit things with the, hit the pottery with a hammer? How does that, <laughs> I'm so yeah, curious. No, that's fine. Yes. They drop them, oh, put it in okay. a plastic bag and mm. you drop it. Oh. Um, some people though, um, break it against walls. I've done a whole body of work where I broke pieces on different walls around the city of Houston because I was thinking through um, a theme about how inclusive, um, I mean, how diverse Houston is. We're like Mm -hmm. the most diverse city, yet there are all of these social and political and walls that divide Mm -hmm. us in ways and um, so yeah, so I was invited to do a body of work around that. So I just broke it against different walls. So there's different ways that you can break. Some people I've seen, um, not in my workshops, but others break it with a hammer. Um, uh-huh. But it's cool because now, like when a mug of mine breaks, I don't throw it away. <laughs> I, I keep it, and I have so many favorite mugs. I love ceramics and um, buy ceramic art wherever I travel. I tend to bring home a, a mug or a bowl um, from a place that I've been. And so now I don't throw them away and cry. <laughs> I just mend them back together. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, yeah, the, I continue to see a lot of parallels in this process to the entire tidying event and how we do have to break things in order to grow or or for joy to emerge. Um, and we, we often help our clients figure out what beauty and joy and other just, uh, we will we help them set criteria for what they want to keep around them. And it doesn't necessarily equate to things that have particular monetary value, or things that are important to others. It's really just about 
like understanding what that means to them. So I imagine that some of the workshop participants also may have some revelations like that through the creative process. So if you could share how it's begin that whole break breaking down to build up starts to impact their life. Uh, uh, we'd love to hear more about that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there are a few um, of my workshop participants that are constant present in my life. Um, some people I just see that night. And so I can't speak for all of them, but um, you know, some of the reflections that I've read and things that I've seen is like this constant um, willingness to kind of, to let go and not hold on to things so tightly. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's one person I'm thinking about in particular who, who does post about Kintsugi and her process um, on her social media and speaks a lot just about the about peace that comes um, that she's gained through the process. Um, that it was a meditative and very freeing thing for her, and so seeking out more things in her life that create that freedom, make making more space in her life for freedom, for, for peace, um, for calm, and just thinking through that. And so there is this realization um, of like when, through that process of just kind of the nuggets that they, wisdom nuggets they take away, they do apply them to different aspects of their lives. And um, some rep- apply them to a particular relationship. For some, it was this, a job um, that occupation kind of changed that needed to come for more space of abundant, you know, like life, joy, and peace to be real. And so giving, kind of mustering up the courage to, to, to risk and to let go and not being afraid of not having all the right answers or knowing from mm. that moment of the decision what will come, but just trusting that something something good will come and um, and that you have the power to to create that right that you are part of that creative process so it's it's fun every now and then I'll get a little message or see something on Instagram that reminds me of just how they're continuing like the table which is not a one-time thing for them that it's continuing to have an impact and and that's why I do it. Um, I want to create space for people to to tap into their creativity, um, but to really, I don't want it to just be a, a piece that they make um, in that space. But I, I am hopeful and want to curate space where it does um, have a, it empowers, right? And, and it gives life for them that's way beyond the two and a half hours we spend at the art table together. Um, yeah, so. So it's uh, so interesting as you're speaking, I'm thinking about um, how it's been when I've worked with clients and sometimes I've been so surprised when when I have been kind of the conduit to giving them permission to holding on to things or letting go of things mm. um, and how they've responded to that. Um, sometimes it's, I mean, it's just so gratifying to me sometimes to see um, the direction that clients go with that, not only when it comes to the organization of their things in their home, but also how it applies to their lives. And sometimes um, the openness and the vulnerability that they share with me is really, I mean, it's just, there's just no way to describe it. It's just so amazing. Um, And you've talked a lot about that vulnerability that you've seen in your in, in the, the, the folks that have been participating in your workshops. Was that a surprise to you when, when you first started planning the workshops and 
um, and kind of coming to this um, this path, was it a surprise to you to see the reaction in your students? You know, honest answer is no, <laughs> uh, because I because of the work that I had done um, at the art project before, and we used um, like the artist way and some of the techniques that I used now in my workshops. I had already seen um, mm. the power of art and curating a safe, brave, not safe, but a brave space mm -hmm. for people to explore their creativity, what can happen um, in the lives of people when you do that. And so even though I'm living into a new normal, I guess in a new path, I still carried um, that history, I guess, mm -hmm. um, and learnings with me into this new path. And so um, I, I kind of I come into that space expecting some magic to happen, mm. uh, and I, and I, I expect it to, and I'm always honored, and I could consider it a privilege that people allow me to guide them through that process, right? Because um, I am inviting them to trust me, and for a lot of us, we were told at a very young age that we were not artists, you know, that we are not mm -hmm. creative enough, we're not mm -hmm. good enough to, to do that, that art is for someone else. And so when people come into my space, it's, it's really brave for them even to walk through the door or even to sign up to come and sit at a table with strangers and create in the open. Um, in something and so it's it's I expect like there's this magic and it's a it's this honoring kind of space right um and I, I approach it as that and and I trust that something is going to happen for each and every one of them and and that I may not know um and they may not know at the end of the class what that is uh, but in time it will be revealed to them and I, I always invite the participants to do um, a takeaway reflection on the process and so um, I asked them to name what is one takeaway from the process of baking right because mm -hmm. it's not necessarily about the final product that you have or the final piece that you have but it's about the journey towards that um, and so what is it you want to take away and so I provide that space and some people tell me and some people don't and that's fine um, that's for them but hopefully, but everybody does take away something, mm -hmm. you know, and um, that's that's a good thing. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that this is a journey because that's truly what it is. I think we can get wrapped up in the idea that, you know, once we finish tidying or once we create, create something, that's where everything ends, that it's a finite process. But mm -hmm. really, that's kind of the inspiration for us as well to create a podcast around KonMari because we want people to understand that it's really a lifestyle change and it it carries with you throughout um, your your journey that never truly ends. Um, so, <laughs> right. so yeah, yeah, so that's just so beautiful. Well, it was fantastic having you on the show, Lanicia. And we we ask all of our guests what sparks joy for you currently. Yes, but sparking joy for me currently, honestly, it's 
all of the precious moments I get to spend with my life partner, Cleve, these days, um, because we're both really busy. So whenever we have a second or, you know, time together, it's just so fun and life-giving. And then I'm also getting to play with my camera a lot because uh, my studio got flooded in the Houston mm -hmm. floods. And mm -hmm. so I've been doing a lot of camera work and it has been good to go back to that medium and have some projects that have really been giving me life um, and music too. So those three things, I've been listening to a lot of good music in iTunes and it's been feeding, just feeding me and giving me joy. That's wonderful. Um, we have so enjoyed having you as our, our guest um, today. Um, we're wondering how can our listeners best reach you um, to follow up and learn more about the work that you're doing? Yes, if you contact me through my website, larartphotography.com, uh, there's a contact page and you email me there and uh, I will gladly respond to you. Great. And finally, we always ask our guests if you have any parting words of wisdom for our listeners. I guess I think so. I would say that just to remember, we all have the capacity to create and recreate beauty and struggle and beauty from the fragmented places in our lives as we journey towards joy um, like i said i i've learned we are all braver and more extraordinary and powerful and capable than we believe and so i encourage you to just to live fantastic great thank you so much for joining us here on spark joy lenicia it was great having Thanks you for on. having me <laughs> yeah thank you, thank you. To connect with Lanicia, you can visit lawartphotography.com and follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Law Art Studio. You can also purchase her work online by visiting society6.com forward slash lawart. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning, tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life. You can find us at sparkjoypodcast.com and click Ask Spark Joy to leave a question or comment for a chance to be featured on next week's show. You can also join the discussion on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the handle at sparkjoypodcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your host, Kristen Ivey of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with Conmari Media Incorporated. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of Conmari Media Incorporated or the Conmari Consultant Community.